Now for our story. In the dining room of his luxurious home in Wakefield, Ben Calvert sat at the head of the table, flanked by his daughter, Kit Mead, and Jesse Calvert, his wife. They were sipping their after-dinner coffee by candlelight, for Jesse knew quite well that her well-kept graying hair, her carefully guarded skin, showed Ben to best advantage. At first glance, one might have imagined this to be a happy family. A prosperous father, handsome mother, and beautiful young daughter. But looking more closely, one could have seen the little lines of discontent on Jesse's brow. The downward curve of Ben Calvert's mouth and the nervousness of Kit. Nervousness increased by her recent encounter with Lisa Fenner. But now, Kit stamps out the stub of her cigarette in the ashtray and turns to her father. Let me have a cigarette, please, Dad. But you just put one out, Kit. So what? I want another one. You're turning into a regular chain smoker. Not good for you. Oh, Dad. Well, I don't like it. Well, your father's right, Kit. An excess of anything will ruin your health. I'm not interested in your opinion, Jesse. Well, it's true, just the same. I'll handle this, Jesse. Kit, something's troubling you. I know that. I wish you'd tell me what it is. Look, Dad, all I did was ask for a cigarette. And between you and Jesse, you're making a three-act play of it. Ye God, there's no peace in this house. There won't be either, until you get hold of yourself. I've never seen you in such a bad state of mind. You're touchy, irritable, always on the defensive. Imagining insults? They're not imagined where your charming wife's concerned, I can tell you that. Oh, nonsense, Kit. Heaven knows I don't like quarreling and unpleasantness. And nothing would please me better than to see you in a cheerful frame of mind for a change. The way you are now, it would take a plaster saint to get along with you. And you're far from that, aren't you, Jesse? Well, I don't pretend to be an angel or a saint. But that's no reason I should let people walk over me. Now, wait a minute, you two. Why can't the three of us talk things over calmly and quietly once in a while? I'm concerned about Kit. I'll admit it. But I don't think you're helping things, Jesse. You seem to delight in rubbing her the wrong way. Oh, really, Ben? Sometimes I marvel at the way you manage to twist things, so I'm always to blame. Never, Kit. I expect you to have more self-discipline, Jesse. You're a mature woman. Kit's young. She's in a very difficult situation. All this trouble with Bill Mead. She needs sympathy, understanding. I appreciate your solicitude, Dad, but I wish you wouldn't talk about me as if I weren't here. Well, it worries me to see you unhappy, my dear. And as I told you the other day, I believe the whole solution is in trying not to be so self-centered. You should think of other things. Especially, you ought to devote more time to your child. Well, what do you expect me to do? Miss Thorndyke takes care of all of his needs. Yes, I know that, I know that. She looks after his physical welfare. But after all, she's only his nurse. He's getting to an age now where he's beginning to notice things. He needs more personal affection. Well, if you think I'm going to spend my time singing lullabies, you're mistaken. I wouldn't worry about the baby too much, Ben. Miss Thorndyke gives him a great deal of affection. That's one of the advantages of your wealth, you see. You can even buy love for your child. Oh, don't be so melodramatic, Jesse. Buy love. You make us sound like monsters. And I notice you don't mind spending Dad's money. I've had as much of this as I want to hear. Why can't you two be agreeable to each other? All right, then. I'm willing to try. What shall we talk about? The weather? That little Mrs. Fenner who was here this afternoon? or uh, Mrs. Fenner? Who's she? A friend of Kit's, apparently. Who is she, Kit? I've never heard of her. Oh, she's just a girl I knew in California. And she's here now, in Wakefield? Yes, came in on the afternoon train. I entertained her until Kit came in. Well, why didn't you ask her to dinner, Kit? Do you good to entertain once in a while? She's not a bosom friend of mine, Dad. She's just an acquaintance. Well, that's not what she said. 
Although I'll admit she acted rather strange. Strange? Well, she seemed awfully nervous. And she looked so unhappy. The only time she showed any animation at all was when I took her out on the terrace to show her the baby. She was quite taken with him. Oh, that reminds me, Jessie. In the future, if I want people to see the baby, I'll handle it myself. I was only trying to be pleasant to the girl. She asked to see him. I couldn't very well refuse. I came home and found her out there all alone. At least you'd think Miss Thorndyke should have known better than to leave her there. Well, good heavens, what difference does it make? I don't like it, that's all. Any, anything could happen. What, for instance? You weren't afraid she'd kidnap the child, were you? Oh, don't be silly, Jessie. Well, I simply don't see why you're making such a fuss about it. Kit's right, Jessie. You can't be too careful. Oh, it's absurd. If I ever saw a harmless young woman, that... Uh, tell me about her, Kit. Is she planning to stay in Wakefield? No, no, of course not. She happened to be passing through, so she said hello. That's all there is to it. Well, it's no use trying to get in any information from Kit, then. Especially about anyone from California. For some reason, she delights in being mysterious. Her father started to speak, but Kit forestalled any further conversation about Lisa Fenner by excusing herself abruptly, retiring to her room. Her father's questions and Jessie's curiosity made her uneasy. And yet, she told herself, she had nothing to fear. Lisa was gone. The baby's son, Kit had tricked her into relinquishing, was upstairs in the nursery right now. And the threat of the truth's coming out was more remote than ever. But Kit would have been far from reassured had she known that at this very moment at the Lane Farm, Dr. Lewis is leaving the bedroom in which Aunt Mary had placed Lisa when Randy brought her home after rescuing her from the icy waters of the river. Now, Aunt Mary looks at the doctor anxiously. Is she all right, Doctor? Yes, I gave her a sedative. She'll drop off to sleep pretty soon. Oh, poor little thing. I feel so sorry for her. She's had a bad shock of some kind, besides the exposure. Main thing we have to look out for is pneumonia. Lucky she got help so soon. I almost think it's more than luck, Doctor. Perhaps it's providence. What happened exactly, Aunt Mary? I didn't understand how she... Well, it seems that Randy and Lefty were walking along the riverbank. They'd been rabbit hunting. This girl was standing up on the bridge. Randy says they wondered about her. It was so cold this afternoon. She was out there all alone, not even wearing a coat. Then, just as they started away, Randy heard the railing crack. It gave way, and before he realized, she crashed through into the water. I've been worried about that old bridge for years. Thank heaven Randy was there. Hmm. Might have been a tragedy. Yes, thank heaven. That's why I say it was more than luck. Randy's being right on the spot. Well, perhaps you're right, Aunt Mary. Young girl like that, so much to look forward to. She's a lovely-looking girl, too. Yes, very pretty. I only hope we can help her. She seems to be so frightened, unhappy. Her eyes when they carried her in. Well, if anyone can help her, Aunt Mary, you can. I didn't want to question her, but if something's troubling her... The main thing is for her to get her strength back. Later, if she wants to tell her story, ask our advice. That's different. Yes, yes, that, that's the best way. And from the few things she did say, I have an idea there's something mighty wrong. Something that's shaken up her whole life. Perhaps if it hadn't been an accident. Yes. I had that feeling, too. I wonder where she comes from. She didn't mention, did she? Uh, not a word to me. I don't think she's from anywhere around here. Lefty says he doesn't recognize her, and I'm sure I don't. We don't even know her name yet. She may be visiting somewhere nearby. 
Perhaps. In any case, Aunt Mary, there's no doubt that young woman could use your help. She needs someone to talk to, maybe to confide in. If she's to get a new lease on life, she'll have to unburden herself. And uh, for the time being, I think it's better not to leave her alone any more than you can help. Uh, try to get her mind off herself. Yes, I'm sure you're right, Doctor. And I'd better be getting back to her now. Good, good. I'll stop by tomorrow and see how she's getting along. Give her plenty of eggs and milk and nourishing soups. And if she has trouble sleeping, you might give her another one of those tablets. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. Don't worry. I'm sure she's going to be all right physically. As to her state of mind, she'll recover from the shock of her experience fairly soon. And if something else is troubling her, well, I'll leave that entirely to you. And if she does need someone to confide in, she's very fortunate to have been brought to this house to you. Dr. Lewis had no idea how right his remark was, nor the possible far-reaching results. For if Aunt Mary should be successful in gaining Lisa's confidence, should discover the truth about Lisa's baby son, then Kit Mead's fears will be more than justified. 